go. Another month, 11th month of the year, 2023, is quickly coming to a conclusion. But you know what? We're just getting started here on the show that shakes the Southland. Where y'all, thank you so much for being a part of our program, powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage, the general of all things Southern. That would be yours truly, John Rawl. Thank you for being a part of the Y'all Show, as we've got lots of stuff to get to today. And we want to hear from you. Don't forget, you can always be a part of the Y'all Show. The easiest way is probably to drop us the good old email. And that is M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com. You can also text us here at the program, 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. All simple, easy, 24 hours a day options for you to reach out and connect with us here on the show that is about Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. we got them all covered, and if you are a resident or a native of any of those states, I think you'll find this show is right up your alley. And if you are living in any of those states but got here as quick as you can, I think you'll find that this show is right up your alley. Or if you're just wanting to admire anybody or the culture of any of those 16 southern states, then I think you'll also find a home here on the Y'all Show. we got a front porch that is very welcoming, and we welcome you into today's Y'all Show. On the docket today, we've got headlines coming in from across the southeast today, and included in those headlines is the fact that we just had Halloween just a few hours ago. Hopefully you all had a good time out there. Well, one Georgia county had a pretty creative way to keep an eye on sex offenders <laughs> on Tuesday evening. We'll go to Georgia and tell you all about that effort. Also, Donald Trump's sons. It looks like Don Jr. is going to be testifying today in a fraud trial about the family's economic fortunes. We'll give you the latest on that. Also, Ron DeSantis. Did he wear heels at some point? A story out about that. And we'll get you what he claims to be his actual height. Those are some of our political stories. Don't feed the bears. That's unfortunately a problem in the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. And therefore, the Blue Ridge Parkway is currently closed until further notice in sections of North Carolina because people are too friendly to the bears. Oh, yeah, we'll give you what's going on in western North Carolina with that. Plus, we'll tell you a breakdown of the cities where the population grew the most over the last five years, and a bunch of these are in the southeast. That's coming up in our news headlines today. Also, Alabama is about to open up its first BJ's Wholesale. Now, if you're not familiar with BJ's Wholesale, it's been around for quite some time. It started, believe it or not, up north. In Massachusetts, I believe, is where BJ's Wholesale. And there are lots of locations of BJ's along the eastern seaboard. But they're making a push now westward. And I'm going to give you some information on BJ's Wholesale, a little bit of the history, the number of stores. I mean, they got over 200 right now in the southeast. And a lot of gas stations mixed in with that, too. We will give you all that you need to know about BJ's Wholesale Perhaps even how they got the name BJ. <laughs> All that's coming up as Alabama gets ready to open up its first BJ's Wholesale Club. Congrats, Alabama. Also in our headlines today, we got information for all of you who want to 
control your wild hogs, at least if you live in Mississippi, as there's a application that you need to fill out to control the Magnolia State's wild hog population. What's that all about? I'll let you know. Plus, back to the Smoky Mountains, two kids from East Tennessee have completed every trail in the Great Smoky Mountains. That means they're part of what's called the 900-miler club. And these are two little ones. And, wow, what a job by 10-year-old Elizabeth Claire Stewart and her 8-year-old brother Landon Stewart with the success of now hiking 900 miles in the Great Smoky Mountains. These are some fit kids and a fantastic job. We'll, we'll let you know more about the Stewart kids and their 900 miles of hiking in the Smokies. That's a scary thing to do, by the way. But they did it. They sure did it. Next up, I guess, for them would be the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> but uh, we'll give you that headline as we go forward in today's Y'all Show. Also, coming up on this Wednesday, November 1st edition of the Y'all Show, in our first hour, we've got hashtag Hullabaloo coming up. And we're going to go on social media and find out what people are talking about. One thing people are talking about, Black Dog Friday. That's a band out of Dallas. I'm going to play a song that they've got out that has to do with the South. And we'll introduce you to a little bit more about this sort of rock and roll act out of DFW, Black Dog Friday. Also, someone on Tuesday was mentioning, in addition to it being Halloween across the nation, we also across the world on Tuesday, October 31st, recognized that it was Reformation Day. And if you're not familiar with Reformation Day, I'm going to tell you all about it, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more than you probably ever thought about Martin Luther, the German founder of Protestantism. And that's where Reformation Day comes from. It has to do with him nailing on the door his argument with the Catholic Church. I guess it was 95 things he put there on the door in Wittenberg, Germany, or as we say in the old country, Wittenberg. So we'll tell you more about Reformation Day in just a few minutes here in our opening hour. Hour to two today, we got lots of fun coming your way, including some political talk. I happened to catch a clip of New Jersey Governor, uh, retired, you could say, of Chris Christie, who's running for president right now. And I was actually surprised at what Chris Christie had to say on MSNBC's Morning Joe. I've got that clip. We'll play it for you in our second hour. Also in our second hour, we've got our Southern Business Spotlight that we're going to be sharing with you. And there are some stories out of this world, and they really are. And they have to do with our uh, Pentagon setting up contracts for satellite companies. We'll give you an update on that. Plus, the Fed's policy. The Fed's got some policy changes. And I'll give you all that we know about the Fed and their policy announcement that's coming today, actually. All that is a part of our Southern Business Spotlight in hour number two. And in hour number three, we have some news coming your way in that hour. But one thing that is making news in the Palmetto State is Dabo Sweeney, head coach of the Clemson Tigers. His Tigers are 4-4 four and four right now, a program that has won two national championships in college football in the last seven years. Right now they're at 500, and boy is Coach Sweeney catching a lot of grief. Well, Monday night, he had his coach's call-in show, and a caller from Spartanburg was a little bit of a smart aleck to Dabo Sweeney, and Coach Sweeney went off. We've got that audio, and we're going to play a portion of the Clemson football coach defending 
his own self, his program, and really all that is about college football, I thought it was too good to pass up. We'll play Dabo Sweeney in our final hour today, so make sure you stay around for that fun. And then we've got some great Southern history to point out. It was on this day in history that Harry S. Truman was nearly assassinated. I'll tell you about that. Also, some big birthdays today, including the big guy. I mean, the guy's name really is big. Big Kenny of Big and Rich with a birthday, the native of Virginia. Also, Alabama's own Tim Cook, the head of Apple, with a birthday today. We've got their birthdays and others that we'll be sharing with you in our final hour. Also in our final hour, we've got a Southern Comedy Spotlight. And did you realize that Ed Helms, the guy from The Office and the guy from The Hangover, all of the different versions of The Hangover that have come out now, Ed Helms is a native of the Atlanta area. And we've got some great, great stuff to pass along about this actor and funny man Ed Helms in our last hour today. Also, I've got a clip where he was on a fellow Southerner's late-night talk show, The Late Show, Stephen Colbert of Charleston, SC, by the way. And so this South Carolinian and this Georgia boy, Ed Helms, together on the late-night talk show, and they talk about the South, and I thought that was pretty cool. We'll play that clip in our final hour of this Y'all Show Wednesday edition. So a lot of great stuff coming your way. We appreciate you for being a part of it. Let's dive into a few headlines before we take our first pause of the day. So the Henry County Sheriff's Office in Georgia decided to keep a watchful eye over all of the little trick-or-treaters of that Georgia County on Tuesday as part of Halloween 2023. The Henry County Sheriff's Office, they launched what was called Operation Watchful Eye. And that meant that deputies from the Sheriff's Office conducted a series of door knocks around the community to ensure that registered sex offenders were following all of the rules during Halloween. And so they went and verified all of the sex offenders of Henry County, Georgia, making sure they didn't have any Halloween decorations up. Did you realize you, you could, can't do that if you're a registered sex offender? I did not know that. <laughs> no Halloween decorations because I guess that attracts little kids. Deputies spent two days doing hundreds of door knocks on registered sex offenders in Henry County, and they got them to fill out address verification forms and ensuring they were nowhere near children. So, again, no Halloween decorations. And did you realize that registered sex offenders, at least in Henry County, Georgia, the main thing they must do is stay a 1,000 feet away from things like playgrounds, pools, basketball courts, even churches. Yeah, and in this one Georgia County of Henry, there are 276 registered sex offenders and deputies this week knocking on all of those doors of those sex offenders to make sure they were doing the right thing. And if sex offenders aren't at the address they're registered to, they're considered out of compliance, and I bet you they might be finding a jail cell pretty close by. But Henry County and Georgia, I wanted to single them out because they, this week, launched this Operation Watchful Eye, and I'm sure there were other offices of law enforcement around the southeast that had similar programs, but this is the only one that I'm seeing something written about, so kudos to them, and if you are involved in law enforcement and other sections of the region and you did something in 
preparation for Halloween. Great job. I love this. You know, making sure these knuckleheads are out there following the rules that they've got. They're out on probation, evidently, or they have this time that they've got to be literally under a watchful eye. They better be doing what they're supposed to. And I know that on Tuesday I was driving around. I saw like a traffic jam on the street that I never see. And what it was was a neighborhood where just about everybody in the town must have been lined up on the street to go get candy. Now, what if those guys or gals on that street was a registered sex offender? You wouldn't want your kid knocking on their door, would you? And they're probably going to knock on the door if that house is decorated with lots of Halloween decorations. So very smart in Henry County, Georgia, to put on this particular operation. Now, let's talk about Donald Trump Jr. I love this guy. I think he's hilarious when I watch him on TV. Have you seen him lately? Well, he may not be so funny today as President Trump's oldest child is going to be testifying today as he is testifying at a fraud trial that is all about fraud for the Trump business. Remember when Trump took over as president, he kind of gave the business operations to Don Jr. and Eric, his two sons, his two eldest sons. I guess Barron would also be a son, but Barron's not quite old enough to be running an empire. But Donald Trump Jr. expected to, to testify today. Eric Trump expected to testify Thursday as they are participating in this trial that Letitia James has set up in New York as the fraud trial enters its second months of of looking to see what Trump was doing in terms of his finances. Some are saying that Trump and his family conspired to exaggerate their wealth by billions of dollars on financial statements that were given to banks, insurers, and other places like loan companies to secure money and to make deals. Now, the funny thing is, already testifying in this fraud trial were some banks and others that gave loans out to Trump, and they, for from what I know, from what I remember, this has been stretching now into two months, as we said, they said positive things about Donald Trump, that he, yes, borrowed big money, but he paid it back with interest. And isn't that what you're supposed to do when you're a business person? This case, not exactly... I think going to be too threatening for Trump's political future, but Letitia James is hell-bent on doing her part to bring Trump down, and today she's trying to bring Trump Jr. down as he's testifying in the Big Apple. One other political story before we take a break. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, who's currently trying to be the Republican nominee in 2024, he was pressed to address social media gossip about his footwear. Yeah, this was brought up on a episode of a podcast called PBD. I don't know what that is, but it must be his own podcast, PBD. And uh, a person named Patrick David had pointed out that DeSantis' marketing team picked on his marketing team and asked the governor if he was aware of how his critics were, quote, trying to troll him in the marketplace. And the trolling in question is the insistence that Ron DeSantis is wearing inserts in his cowboy boots to make him appear taller. (laughs) And this person that's, I guess, trolling DeSantis has a 
TikTok video out with over a million likes. And on screen, the text of the TikTok says, tell me he's not wearing hidden heels. So DeSantis on his podcast said that he had not seen the TikTok video, but he says what they're saying is in your boots you have heels. And DeSantis responded about his height. Did you realize that Ron DeSantis is five foot eleven? That is his height. So uh, right now his biggest height that he needs to get to is knocking out all the other competitors like Haley, who's making, it looks like, some positive gains in polling. And Mr. 5'11", better get rid of her if he wants to be the Republican nominee. He needs to be, the, in his case, the go-to person if Trump can't cross the finish line. And there's some serious concerns that Trump could actually cross the finish line. I don't know if Trump's going to be in heels when he does that or if he's able to do that. And I do believe Trump's a little taller than 5'11". But Ron DeSantis, Mr. 5'11", having to defend his um, footwear and his height this week. We've got more headlines coming in from across the southeast that we'll get to. Stay tuned when we come right right back on The Y'all Show. I'm going to tell you about how bears have shut down a section of North Carolina's Blue Ridge Parkway Plus, a story out of Florida as the chief equity officer, the first in the city, the first in Florida to have that title, chief equity officer. Well, this officer has now quit their $185,000 a year job. Where do I apply? Let's bring some equity to that city. Let's do it for $185,000. Yeah, absolutely. You'd, you'd do it too. <laughs> we'll be right back with those headlines and more. And don't forget, we got hashtag hullabaloo before hour one is in the books. Thanks for listening to the Y'all Show. We'll be right back. They say don't go on Wolverton Mountain If you're looking for a while Cause Clifton Clowers has a pretty young daughter He's a mighty hand with a gun and a knife Her tender lips are sweeter than honey and Wolverton Mountain protects her there. The bears and the birds tell Clifton clouds. If a stranger should enter there, all of my dreams are on Wolverton Mountain. From 1962, that was a number one song for Claude King. It stayed atop the chart for seven consecutive weeks big song Wolverton Mountain climb that mountain no cliff and clouds he might take my life her tender lips some classic country for you on this first day of November and I heard Claude sing there about bears and more and as we continue with our headlines across the southeast 
I don't think Wolverton Mountain is located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Western North Carolina, but you know what is located in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina? Black bears. And now the government is closing an eight-mile portion of the Blue Ridge Parkway in Western North Carolina as they've had to close it after visitors were caught feeding and attempting to hold a young bear. And now the National Park Service closing this eight-mile stretch the decision made to shut down the stretch of the park during peak leaf peeping, leaf peeping. It's leaf peeping season, y'all. And they're having to shut down this area because of people getting too close to the bears. And there have been, according to the National Park Service, multiple documented reports of visitors engaging with a young bear at the Lane Pinnacle Overlook, 12 miles northeast of downtown Asheville, North Carolina. And so NPS closing eight miles of the Blue Ridge Parkway for both the safety of the bear and park visitors. From the NPS, a statement, it says, When people intentionally attract bears with trash and food, it can lead to very dangerous situations. In this instance, we want to give the bear a chance to lose interest in the area before the situation escalates and visitors or the bear are harmed. Yeah, I know these bears are cute. Well, as cute as a black bear can be. And I know there are probably plenty of them there around Asheville, North Carolina, on that Blue Ridge Parkway. But my goodness, folks, you, you, you just got to realize these are wild animals. And this eight-mile portion of the Blue Ridge Parkway closed until further noticed. Further notice. And so in the fall, bears forage for food up to 20 hours a day as they get ready for winter and hibernation and so it's a smart decision by the park service to shut down the blue ridge parkway as bears are more likely to take advantage of human food during this time period and so they don't want anybody to get hurt and they they don't want the bear to get hurt the park service has put out a telephone number if you encounter a bear while on the blue ridge parkway call 828 298 2491-828-298-2491 or go by the nearest visitor center of the National Park Service to encounter, to report the encounter with a bear. I don't think they have anything but black bears in western North Carolina. I don't think they've got any grizzlies. I don't think they got polar bears. They just got black bears. But be very, very careful. And this goes, if you're listening to us today, in any section of the South where these bears are out there in the Smokies of Tennessee, absolutely stay away from these bears. You got a lot of bears in North Georgia. You got them in Virginia, for goodness sakes. There are bears in a very small section of South Carolina. There are actually bears along the coast. We've seen bears in Florida on the Gulf Coast, out in the Gulf of Mexico near near Destin. So just be very Mindful, these are not pets, and we need to be very, very smart when dealing with the bears of the southeast right now. And let's uh, let's make sure everybody gets through this fall okay. Let's get back to our other stories of the day. So, Dean Phillips recently announced that he's running for president. He's running as a Democrat. He is a three-term congressman from Minnesota. He is Dear Abby's grandson. Abigail Van Buren, I believe was her name, the 
newspaper columnist that many of you probably tuned in and watched her or read her newspaper column, Dear Abby, for a long time. I bet you she might even have that thing syndicated, even though she's been long gone. She's moved on to the opinion writing of the of the uh, heaven. But uh, her grandson is Dean Phillips, and he recently just announced that he's going to be challenging Joe Biden on the Democratic side. And now he says he's disappointed with the far-left House Democrats known as the squad, and that would be members like Tlaib and Cortez and Presley, and then there's one more that I can't come up with right now. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But there's one more part of the squad. But Dean Phillips says he's disappointed with this far-left squad for their response to the attack by Hamas earlier this month. And he calls it the disappointing thing that they would come out and, and act the way they have about this barbaric October 7th assault by Hamas on Israel. And six of the eight members, okay, I didn't realize the squad had more than four, but yeah, they got, according to this article, eight members of the squad, and six of them voted against a House resolution condemning the October 7th assault by Hamas, of which 1,400 Israelis were killed on that Saturday day in Israel in early October. And so now Dean Phillips, who's decided to run against President Biden, he's been saying for a while that he didn't think Joe Biden was quite, uh, I'm trying to be nice, and now I say it, didn't think Joe Biden, from his age, deserved a chance to be president again. He's concerned that a second term for the octogenarian is not going to be a good thing. And that's why he's jumping in and running for president now. Is he going to really pull voters away from Biden enough to where he could either get the nomination or is he going to be someone that's going to wound Biden if Biden does get the Democratic nomination for president again and those wounds carry over to the general election? So... There were 10 members that voted against the resolution of the Congress against the Hamas attack last week. And the squad, okay, I've got the breakdown of the squad members. Alexandria Cortez of New York, Jamal Bowman of New York, Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, I don't know how I could have forgotten her, Tlaib, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, Summer Lee of Pennsylvania, I'm not familiar with her, and then Corey Bush of St. Louis, Missouri. She's also in there. She was very active on the BLM front prior to being elected to Congress. And so Dean Phillips was calling him out. He's already got his bus as he's declared his candidacy for president. And he's circling the country now. And we'll find out how well his campaign goes. He's going to have a lot of money of his own that he's going to put into this race. Dean Phillips, now the only official Democratic contender against Joe Biden that I'm aware of, because Robert F. Kennedy decided to get out of the Democratic primary and run as a third-party guy. Now to a story from the state of Florida. 
The first chief equity officer in the Sunshine State has just quit the job, a job of which they were paid at 185 a year. That would be $185,000, and they quit the job less than a month into it. What in the world was Lanice Emanuel thinking when she was hired at St. Petersburg to be in this position of chief equity officer? making nearly $200,000 a year, and her first day on the job was October 2nd. 23 days later, she submitted her resignation letter to Ken Welch. And she was graceful. She said, thank you for the opportunity to serve as the city's chief equity officer, wishing you and your team the very best in your future endeavors. But she, leaving that post there after working in the Mayor Ken Welch office for less than a month uh, in St. Pete. What in the heck could possibly be so bad that you leave a job like that? Maybe she wasn't making enough money. You know? One person, or she said in a press release, at its core, St. Pete is rich in diversity, inclusiveness, and progressive intention, making it perfectly poised to lead in the area of equity. But uh, they don't have a chief equity officer right now. They need to figure out what they're going to do with this Tampa Bay Rays baseball team while they're at it. And that is a look at some of the headlines of the day here on the Y'all Show. We've got much more coming in hour two that we'll get to and some football talk that's making some headlines across the southeast also in our final hour of today's Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to go into some social media shenanigans as we've got some conversation on social media today about a band out of Dallas called Black Dog Friday. We'll play some of their music. And also, I'm going to tell you about Reformation Day. That was on Tuesday. What was it all about? I'll explain when the Y'all Show rolls on. As we continue on with this Wednesday Y'all Show, that is from a band out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area called Black Dog Friday. And their band brought to our attention here because someone actually sent something out on social media about Black Dog Friday and it caught our producer's attention as Black Dog Friday had a tweet out from 
real underscore BDF band. And the announcement said, Happy Halloween from your boys. Stay safe. So a nice Halloween greeting from Black Dog Friday. You can go check this band out, blackdogfridayband.com. They've got a lot of music available right there on the website and more. And I'll let you hear a little bit more of Deep Dark South as we enjoy more of their music. Again, it's Black Dog Friday. You can go to their website, blackdogfridayband.com, and that track right there, Deep Dark South, can be found on the Black Dog Friday Live on Tape project that they've got out. And they do a good job of letting you sample some of their music, and they've been around for a while, and I love what they say about themselves here on their website. Black Dog Friday is three guys with epic beards making dirty swamp blues rock in the heart of Dallas with twangy melodies, whiskey-soaked gravel soul vocals, a pounding rhythm section, and catchy riffs. They've come to turn the music world on its ear and redefine what Southern rock is. So some modern Southern rock going on, courtesy of this band, Black Dog Friday, out of Dallas, Texas. So yeah, check it out. Got a lot of music samples that you can go listen to and more. And they've got some dates coming up here in the near future that you can look at their tour schedule across the southeast and more. Black Dog Friday. There you have it. And we appreciate them being on social media and announcing that they want everybody to have a happy Halloween. Is it that nice? (laughs) All right, let's move on here on the Y'all Show. And, hey, if you've got something like a band or you've got anything going on that we need to know about here at the Y'all Show, then by all means, reach out to us. We are Y'all's Show. We are the Y'all Show. But we're Y'all Show. And I want to know what y'all think, okay? You are a co-host here. You are a co-pilot on the Y'all Show. And so feel free to reach out to us at this program about the South as we have that email address that you can participate by emailing me anytime on mail at y'all.com or you can text me anytime. It'll come right to me, 615-208-4184. Easy ways to get in touch with us. Now, let's move on to another Tuesday-related post. So, that the band Black Dog Friday was promoting Halloween when they were active Tuesday on social media. Well, guess what? The account LTSS underscore LRU, that's a pretty crazy acronym, but they were also busy Tuesday on social media, and they were promoting something else going on across not just the nation, but world on Tuesday and I wanted to tell you a little bit more about this account, LTSS underscore LRU. This is the account on X of the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary, and it's part of Lenore Ryan University, a Lutheran college just outside of Charlotte. The Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary is headquartered in Columbia, South Carolina. And on Tuesday... The seminary put out something on social media that said the following, to improve the Catholic Church in the year 1517, 
what an amazing legacy to leave and bring about the Protestant church. Hashtag Reformation Day. And so, yes, what they were replying to and what caught our producer's attention here at the Y'all Show was that, indeed, Tuesday was the day in world history that back in the year 1517 in Wittenberg, Germany, Martin Luther posted the 95 Thesis on the door of the castle church there in Germany, and that has been identified by Protestants as the beginning of the Reformation. The Protestant church, you could say, began on October 31st, 1517, when a monk, Catholic monk, Martin Luther, posted his complaints, his 95 Thesis on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. A place I'd like to go to. For 50 years, this church was actually behind the Iron Curtain as Wittenberg was in what was the German Democratic Republic, a.k.a. East Germany. And now that the wall has come down, it would be a nice thing to go there if you're a Protestant and check out the place where... Protestants can go and see where they, the faith began. The, the belief that at that time people believed in Christ and they were essentially all in the Catholic Church and Martin Luther rebelled. He was a rebel. And so that's why Reformation Day is an important day if you are a person of the Protestant faith, if you are a Baptist, if you are a Methodist, if you are a Presbyterian if you are any of the Protestant religions, heck, even the Lutheran Church, which is named directly from Martin Luther. Of course, this is a big deal. I remember back in 2017, I went to a theater and watched a wonderful documentary about Martin Luther that was actually in a real movie theater. And it was being shown in select theaters around the country because that was the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther posting his 95 Theses on the door of the church there in Wittenberg. And so, unfortunately, it didn't become a number one movie or documentary, but it was nice to go there and see that. And I think I remember they had a discussion after the documentary about Martin Luther and his impact. You know, the crazy and unfortunate thing that when you say the name Martin Luther in America today, people are waiting for you to add the king part. But did you realize that Martin Luther King, his name comes from Martin Luther? His dad named him in honor of Martin Luther. And remember, Martin Luther King Jr.'s real name was not Martin. It was, I think, Michael. And he rebranded his son's name after he was born to Martin. But Martin Luther, the OG of Martin Luther, (laughs) one incredible figure in in world history. Now, this post, we told you, came from this account on X, the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary, and it's part of Lenore Ryan University. That is a recent change as LRU purchased this Columbia, South Carolina-based seminary, and it is a seminary of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA. And it has been located in South Carolina really since its founding, as it was started 
or yes, see, maybe in um, Pomeria, South Carolina, I believe is where it originated. Many, many, many years back in the 19th century. In fact, the middle portion of South Carolina, if you're not familiar with the history of that section of South Carolina, was settled by a lot of people from Germany. It was set up as a German settlement. And so, therefore, with all these Germans moving into the middle section of South Carolina, they brought their religion. In this case, most of them were, were of the Lutheran faith, being a Protestant. And today, you'll find a massive enclave of Lutherans in the middle portion of South Carolina, and you won't find Lutherans hardly anywhere else in the South. Thus, the reason the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary is located in Columbia, South Carolina. And there are certain pockets of Lutheranism in other portions of the South. I don't want to say there there aren't that many, but there really aren't. And then as you move west, you've got the Missouri Synod, which is really a lot different than the more conservative ELCA. And now there's a North American Lutheran church that has popped up because of the fight over gay rights and ordaining homosexual priests has divided the Lutheran church just as it has divided the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church. But it hasn't divided the Baptist church. (laughs) To my knowledge, they haven't divided uh, that over that, but that issue, but the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary, located right beside Columbia College, by the way, on the north end of Columbia, South Carolina, and it serves the needs of educating pastors for the South's various Lutheran churches, and uh, been doing it since way back in, I think, the 1830s is when this thing first started, and Let's keep that in mind. Again, not a whole lot of Lutherans around in the South, but there there is a connection and a a presence. You know, Lutherans are one of the largest Protestant denominations. There are just not that many in the South, but they are in the Palmetto State, FYI. And the Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary is cranking out new pastors every day. That wraps up Hour 1. We will move on to Hour 2 and more headlines across the South when we come right back. Back here with another hour of conversation about what's going on across the southeast as we're the Y'all Show. Good to have you aboard. we got a very active second hour today. We'll have some political talk as I've got a clip from, well, believe it or not, our producers here keep an eye on all the media outlets. We're not just stuck on Newsmax or Fox News Channel here. No, 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 no. We keep our eye out on all of the options and MSNBC had the big guy on their show Morning Joe on Tuesday and we found that conversation it might be a little surprising that's why we're going to play it 
presidential contender Chris Christie. Some audio from the former New Jersey governor. We'll share that with you in our news headlines this hour. Our political, really more of a political headline that we'll get to later. We also have Southern Business News that we'll be catching you up on as the Pentagon announcing contracts for satellites for out-of-space goings-on. We'll give you that. Plus, we'll also fill you in on the Fed, the Fed making an announcement today. Do we know what that's going to be from Jerome Powell? Where is Paul Hare when you need him? (laughs) We'll have all that coming up in our business spotlight of the week a little later this hour. We also have our headlines, of course, coming your way momentarily. You can get involved with the Y'all Show. It's easy. It's a text line that you can text 24-7-615-615-208-4184. That's the text line. The email address is mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. We are Y'all's Show. We truly are a show that we're reaching out and saying, can we get a little help? What's on your mind? Tell me what you're thinking. Because we want to, your, your opinion matters more than my opinion. And that's why I want to hear from you. So please, if you've got something to say, something to contribute, you've got a question, you've got a criticism for us here, we'll take it all here at the Y'all Show. We're happy to relay whatever's on your mind because we're y'all's show, okay? Pretty simple stuff. Good to have you back here. Hope you all are off and going here on this first day of November. And I need to, now that we've got the new calendar on the wall, I need to look up here real quick and see how many weeks is it until Thanksgiving? Three weeks. Is that right? Thanksgiving this year is going to be, I guess, on the 23rd. Let me just confirm that. Man. Time's flying, y'all. It is flying. But uh, I think that's probably accurate. Thanksgiving 2023 is Thursday, November 23rd. So we are only three weeks away from truly the holidays really kicking off. Some of you might include Halloween as one of our big uh, holidays for America. But uh, no, no. What should be maybe is what's coming up next, which is Armistice Day, a.k.a. Veterans Day. That's, what, 10 days from now? November 11th this year is going to be next Saturday. Is November, I guess the holiday would be the Monday after that, the 13th, the federal holiday. But we are in the season of holidays, and we're in the season where the leaves are coming down and things are looking so pretty right now, and you know what's looking pretty is this second hour of the Y'all Show. So let's uh, let's jump into a few of the headlines across the southeast today on this program. All right, so our first story we wanted to bring you up to speed on was that today Donald Trump Jr. is going to be back in his native New York City as he is being brought in to testify at a fraud trial that his father has been, you've seen him over the last couple of weeks, showing up in New York City as the Attorney General for the State of New York, Letitia James, has brought forward this case of fraud against the Trump Organization. And now today, Donald Trump Jr. is going to be testifying, as they're going to have him today there in NYC, his brother Eric 
is expected to testify on Thursday about the Trump organization and potential fraud. This is a civil fraud case that Leticia James has got going forward into its second month. And she alleges that Trump and the Trump company and its top executives, which include Donald Trump Jr. and Eric, all conspired to exaggerate the wealth of the company and each individual by billions of dollars on financial statements that they in turn gave to banks, insurers, and others to secure loans and make deals. That's what is being alleged. And Trump has been at this courthouse more than I thought he would be. I I think he kind of likes it. He likes showing up there. The other day, I think he stormed out after Michael Cohen testified, and he stormed out and essentially hinted that this case is over. But it continues, Mr. Trump. It definitely continues. Trump, by the way, is slated to go before this trial Monday. And then after he goes, his daughter Ivanka is expected to go up on uh, the stand and testify too. So the whole family getting in on this. Everybody but his daughter that he had with uh, Marla Maples. And so Tiffany, Tiffany Trump's who I'm talking about. And of course, Barron, not, not, uh, not involved in this particular case, but more Trump legal woes continuing today, but a little twist of where his children are now jumping up on stage and saying things about their daddy and the company finances. We'll keep our eye on all the developments of this case. Now, We've got courtesy of the website smartasset.com, not smartass.com, but smartasset. <laughs> smartasset's a big difference. Smartasset.com. They've got an article posted by Jacqueline DeJean, and it is an article titled Cities Where Population Grew the Most Over Five Years. This is a brand new article where it talks about population growth around the country, and where population growth has been the most prevalent. As Smart Asset examined the most recent population data across 344 of the largest cities to determine the biggest growth from the years 2017 to 2022. And it also, this information includes shifts between the balance of men and women. The key findings from SmartAsset.com and their article here is that southwestern U.S. cities dominated the top ten with most population growth. And I'm going to go through some of these towns in a minute. Uh, One town in Texas, Astacosha, not not totally sure how to pronounce it, it grew by 25% in just one year. And Louisville, Texas, had the second highest one-year growth at 16%. Tuscaloosa, Alabama also had one heck of a growth year. We'll go through many of these cities, but the city where the population grew the most over a five-year period was Buckeye, Arizona, as they grew from 68,000 five years ago to over 105,000. That's a 48% growth in just five years. Buckeye, Arizona. Number two, Enterprise, Nevada. 
Goodyear, Arizona, there in the Phoenix area, just to the west of downtown Phoenix. It came in at number three, but number four, Riverview, Florida, with a 26% gain of population between 2017 and 2022. Riverview grew from 90,000 residents to 114,000. And that's that's a big number. Now, I'm not familiar with that town name, so bear with me. Let's all find out if you're not familiar with Riverview. Let's find out where that is because I don't have a clue. I'm going to guess it's maybe somewhere around Tampa. That would be the most logical guess. But uh, it is, yes, it is just to the southeast of Tampa on I-75, not far from Brandon, Florida. It is not far from... Mm. It, there's I-75 runs to the east of Tampa Bay and so if you're driving from let's say Tampa to Bradenton, Florida or on to Sarasota you're going to go right past Riverview, Florida and it has a uh, it's got a big growth there number four in the country for its population gain another southern city this one's in the houston area it checks in at number six sugar land texas grew by 23 percent over the course of five years surging from eighty-eight thousand to 109,000. concord in north carolina just to the north of charlotte the home of the charlotte motor speedway it grew by 17 percent in this five-year period from 92 to 110,000 residents murfreesboro tennessee grew by 15 percent from 136 to 162, go Blue Raiders. You're growing there in Rutherford County. Port St. Lucie, Florida, also on this list, as they grew by 14.9%. 231,000 souls now call Port St. Lucie, Florida home. Edinburgh, Texas, checking in on this list, as they grew by 13.5% over this five-year period. 104,000 people now live in Edinburgh. And then in our top 20, now, that's all the southern cities there. That is all the southern cities. Many out west, again, still plenty of Arizona and California towns, but not too many in the northeast showing up here. You do have to give a little shout-out to one town in Michigan, Dearborn, Michigan, somehow ended up having a 14.9% population gain, checking in at number 13 in the country. And this smartasset.com article about population surging across the, the nation in terms of population. And so check it out when you get a chance. See if your city shows up anywhere on this list as they went through and looked at hundreds of cities across the southeast. And I mentioned that Tuscaloosa was one of the cities. They didn't show up in the top 20, but they did grow by 9.9%. That's pretty good there in T-Town. There are lots of people moving to the south. Maybe more toward the southwest, it appears, based on this information. But we know here in the southeast, you got a lot of people. A lot of people. Or maybe we just got that many more babies being born. You know, I don't know nothing about birthing no baby. <laughs> All right, that's a old school quote for you here from Gone with the Wind. Let's tell you about BJ's Wholesale. Have you seen a BJ's? I wasn't really all that familiar with BJ's until I was in Jacksonville over the Christmas break. 
and they've got a lot of BJ's wholesale clubs in Jacksonville, Florida, and a lot of BJ's options for pumping gas with gas stations with the BJ's name. They're making a big push. And now BJ's Wholesale is opening its first store in the great state of Alabama as it will open up Friday, November 10th, a store in Madison, which is just outside of Huntsville, as the store will be located at 165 Graphics Drive, part of the town Madison. It will become BJ Wholesale Club's 239th location, and the new club features a BJ's gas location on site, and that already has opened, and it offers regular premium and diesel fuels if you're in Madison, home of the Trash Pandas, by the way. And so, yeah, people can go into BJ's and join up. It's sort of like Sam's Club. And now they'll be able to join up with BJ's limited time founding member offer available through November 9th. New members signing up for the club card membership for a year at $55 will get a $40 welcome reward along with more than $40 in coupons. Coupons at the uh, BJ's in Madison, Alabama. So, yeah, check it out. If you haven't been into a BJ's, then for some of you in the states like Mississippi or most of Tennessee, you can you can work your way down to Madison, Alabama and check out BJ's Wholesale Club. Now, it does appear that they have one location in Middle Tennessee. I think it might be in maybe Murfreesboro, but there aren't many locations. I think there's one around Knoxville, too. I don't see any on their website for Kentucky, and there's only a handful in Georgia, mostly around Atlanta. Got a lot in Florida and scattered in North Carolina and Raleigh-Durham and around Charlotte, but nothing that I'm seeing in western North Carolina. And that's about it. Their real deep density of stores in the American Northeast because that's where they started out, BJ's was started by discount department store chain Zaire in 1984 in Massachusetts. And I don't know, okay, it was derived from the initials of Beverly Jean Welch, the daughter of Mervyn Welch, the president of the new company back in the 1980s. So BJ's gets its name from Beverly Jean, Beverly Jean Welch. And so they started this company back in the 1980s, and it uh, is really taken off. Now, as I said, the location in Madison, Alabama, is going to be the 239th BJ's Wholesale Club opening in America, and it is a big company. It's on the New York Stock Exchange under the, I guess, identification of BJ for Beverly Jean. <laughs> And uh, got a lot of stores, got a lot of gas stations. And let's see, their revenue in 2022, according to what I'm looking at right here, was $19 billion and a net income of $513 million last year for BJ's Wholesale Club. And again, if you're looking for a family vacation anytime real soon, you can head on over to Madison, Alabama, and just um, just go wild 
and BJ's. You know, speaking of the word wild, do you realize we got wild hogs running around this part of the world? They're trying to do something about it in the state of Mississippi as the Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce, Andy Gibson, has just announced that the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce will be accepting a new round of applications for its wild hog control program, and that starts today. So log on and uh, see what you can do to help out control the wild hogs of Mississippi. As this application period closes in two weeks, but if you're a Mississippi landowner or property manager, it is available in all counties, all 82 counties of the Magnolia State. And in Mississippi alone, officials said wild hogs cause more than $60 million in damages annually. And through this organization, they hope to provide smart wild hog traps to landowners and managers for the control of wild hogs on agricultural and forestry lands in the state of Mississippi. And, you know, this company or this organization, MDAC, the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce, they will also provide the training necessary to use these smart traps. Or maybe you can just go out and hunt them. I'm I'm not sure if hunting is allowed here. But they're trying to control the hogs of Mississippi, the ones with four legs, that is, and again, Mississippi, just like most southern states, has a out-of-control wild hog population. I just don't have the numbers for other states, but according to this article, in Mississippi alone, wild hogs causing over $60 million a year annually in damage. And this program going to try to do something to put a stop to that. That's a lot, a lot of money caused by the wild hogs of the south, especially in Mississippi. Applications can be submitted online by going to the website mdac.ms.gov slash whcp. That's mdac.ms.gov slash whcp. And good luck there if you're trying to help out Mississippi get rid of all these darn hogs causing all this damage and more. I'd hate to be a farmer that would have crops that these hogs would just go go crazy in. And uh, I guess that's one reason you don't see a whole lot of maybe corn in certain sections of South, of, of South Mississippi or other, other portions of the Magnolia State where these hogs would be running rampant. You know, that's one thing I can truthfully say. I've never had to come across driving across the southeast and even in Mississippi. I have never encountered on a highway at least a wild hog. I don't know if they just I don't even know if I've ever seen one dead on the highway. Come to think of it. They must really like being deep thick in the woods, in the rivers and more. I know they're out there and I sure don't want to come across them and I'm sure you don't either. But uh man the deer are sure prone to getting right out there on the highway. I'm just, I guess I haven't seen them because I haven't been out walking through the deep woods and the the swamps of the south in a, in a while at least. And uh, you know what, I, I think I'm going to keep that trend up. How about you? We'll have more of the Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to switch over and talk about Chris Christie. He was on MSNBC's Morning Joe on Tuesday 
And I heard this interview, and I was actually a little surprised with what the big guy had to say about Donald Trump and some of his legal woes. So when we come back, we'll have that discussion with the former New Jersey governor. And your thoughts, does he, I mean, why is he still in this race? He's hardly even getting numbers to make a difference. But he is continuing to chip away at Trump's reputation. Trump needs to keep an eye on Chris Christie because he still is on TV all the time. As I said, Tuesday he was on Morning Joe. So we'll have that clip when we come right back. Also coming up later this hour, we've got some Southern business news to share with you. As we continue on with the fun, we want you to be a part of the Y'all Show. Don't forget to text us. Don't forget to reach out to us. However you can reach us on the show that shakes the Southland. Hold on. I may not go to heaven But I don't know if they let cowboys in If they don't Just let me go to Texas, boy Cause Texas is as close as I've been New York couldn't hold And we're back on the Y'all Show. A little political talk for a few on this Wednesday as we open up a new month. Hello, November. Three weeks away from Thanksgiving. Tanya Tucker. Well, she once sang about when I was a child down in South Carolina. Some political information coming in today that Donald Trump holds a 31-point lead over his closest competitors in polling in the state of South Carolina. Nationwide, Trump continues to have roughly a 50-point lead over his closest competitors, and the Palmetto State's own Nikki Haley is getting a lot of attention right now, as most pundits say that she's now moved up and tied Ron DeSantis for that second spot on the Republican side. DeSantis working hard to stop that. But Nikki Haley getting a lot of love, a lot of media love, and that's only going to continue. That is only going to continue, just FYI. One person that gets a lot of media love, but his numbers don't seem to be improving, don't seem to be helping, but he still finds a seat at the table, is Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor, and now a, what is he, third-time presidential candidate? And this week, I found an interview that he did on MSNBC's Morning Joe as he went on to discuss President Donald Trump's legal woes and more. And 
you kind of get used to seeing the, the Chris Christie's and the Asa Hutchinson's of the world because they have the one-track argument. That one track is, we're going to do, we're in this race for one reason. We may not win, but we sure as heck don't want Donald Trump to win. So we're going to do everything we can to bring Trump, to uh, 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 get Trump. So I I don't know about y'all, I kind of tune out most interviews I see of Hutchinson, who is really struggling, and I certainly generally tune out Chris Christie. But this interview that he did this week on MSNBC was a little different, and, and not not what I expected. If you are familiar, there's a new legal woe for Trump that has opened up, not directly that he's got to be involved in, but in the state of Colorado this week, they've opened up a trial to determine whether he should be ineligible to be on the ballot in Colorado. And this case here is likely going to end up, if, if he's convicted of it, going to end up being put before the Supreme Court. And other states are watching it closely. Trump may not even be elected president because he might not be on the ballot in enough states. And so Colorado is the first state where this is being tried. And Trump himself, I don't think, is going to be out in Colorado for this case, but he does have his proxies in place. And Chris Christie talked about that this week when he was on Morning Joe. Let's go in and hear a little bit of that conversation because, again, this reaction that Christie had really kind of surprised me. And it may surprise you too. Again, Christy on Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough and his bride and, and others talking about Trump, legal issues, and more. Ukraine and Russia. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. You know, Hezbollah is very... Okay, that's not Trump. That's not Chris Christie. Let's skip forward here. Well, yeah, okay, they're both old men, and they're right. both doing it. But, but he keeps saying he's running against Barack Obama, and you see him struggling up there trying to remember what decade he's in. And he just, what, what do, you, do you think it's the pressure of just no of 91 counts? Well, I think what do you think it is? Yeah, I think it's the stress of um, what he knows is coming uh, in his criminal problems. And I think this week, because a lot of that stuff was from the last week. Yeah. That's all post-Mark Meadows. And, and, and I think everybody that's watching needs to understand, from somebody who did this work for seven years, you don't give Mark Meadows immunity unless the evidence he has is unimpeachable. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I said this yesterday. I want, I want Republican voters to understand this. What's going to be happening in March? He's going to be sitting in a courtroom in Washington, D.C., with Mark Meadows 20 feet away from him, yeah. saying he committed crimes... In front of me, on my watch, not some. I want to stop you right there, and I want to underline what I've said because we have a lot of Democrats watching this show. But as I'm sure you know, we have a lot of Republicans that are, are watching this show. Uh, and I just want to say to my Republican friends that are watching, everybody that's testifying against Donald Trump. They're not editorial writers for the New York Times or primetime hosts at MSNBC. They are all Trumpers who stayed with Trump 
to the very end. Yeah. Look, this is a guy who was Velcroed to Trump's hip mm-hmm. for the entire 2020 campaign and all the post-campaign nonsense. And so this is deadly. It's done. He's going to be convicted. But it's over. Can't he run for president and put a delay, 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 and get out of it? Well, I don't think he can delay. No, I, I, I don't have the impression that this district court judge in Washington um, is amenable to delay. It's a, it's a March fourth. She seems pretty. So it's a March fourth trial right yep. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Maybe give give or take a month. You think you think the judge may may? Yeah, I mean, maybe it starts this. in April. Maybe, yeah. maybe not though. I mean, look, she has not given much at this point um, into the defense claims for delay. And, and I think that's why Jack Smith indicted this case with just Trump. Right. Because you don't have multiple defendants. Yes. This is it. He has six unindicted right. conspirators, not because he doesn't think they committed crimes, but because he learned from the documents case. Like, I think he made a mistake. In well, the by, the way, by the way, they can bring... Uh, bring cases against those other six later on sure. if they don't cooperate. As long as it's within the statute of limitations, yeah. they can. So let me ask you this question. Uh, so let's say the trial is in mid-March. Mm-hmm. Last a month, he's convicted by mid-April, and you look at at least evidence we know, it looks like it's an uphill battle for the defense. The, you know, I know Trump's People are saying, well, oh, well, the, we'll appeal, we'll appeal. It's a D.C. Circuit judge, right? It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a judge. It'll go to the D.C. Circuit, then the Supreme Court. They're going to expedite this, aren't they? This I, is not going to be like a year. I think they years. would. But remember, once you're convicted by a jury, you're convicted. Right. So it, he's going to have all kinds of new restrictions placed on him as now a convicted felon. Okay. In what, terms of his travel, his speech. All the things he can do. He right now he's out on bail. Let's remember. Right. And and once you're convicted, you you have the right to remand him immediately if you wanted to. Well, a former president, though. Is no, it? I don't think they will. But the yeah. point is that when that's the f- extreme alternative, right? You could place all kinds of restrictions on him and say, you don't like those? Okay, we'll send stay you to home or stay home. Well, it could be it could be house arrest, ankle brace. There's a whole bunch of things that could happen in terms of what he can do, where he can travel. He's going to have to go to probation to get permission to travel. What's he convicted of? All right, we're going to pick that up in a second. I want to remind you, this is the Y'all Show, and I found this clip again from MSNBC's Morning Joe where New Jersey Governor retired Chris Christie talking about Donald Trump's legal woes. And I thought this would be informative because, remember, Chris Christie was one heck of a prosecutor and an accomplished lawyer in his own right. Joe Scarborough, host of Morning Joe, has a law degree from the University of Alabama. So these two know a little bit about what goes on in the legal field. And... One thing that they haven't talked about yet in this clip that I'm about to continue on with is this whole issue going out in Colorado this week. So let's rejoin this MSNBC conversation with Chris Christie, front and center, on Morning Joe this week. Well, in the January 6th case, he's going to be convicted of obstructing Congress, um, that the actions that he took was obstructing Congress. That's the main and biggest charge that he's going to wind up being convicted of. And I think that Meadows... 
from what we're reading and being told he's going to say, and it makes sense to me, knowing what was going on then in the White House, is that everyone with any credibility was telling him it wasn't stolen. You didn't lose. You lost. You didn't win. And that's everybody. That's Meadows. That's Pat Cipollone. That's Bill Barr. Right. Uh, that's Bill Steffi and his campaign manager. Everybody has testified that they were telling him, you lost. There's nothing here. Add to it that he that they filed 60 lawsuits to try to challenge the results, and they went 0 for 60. I mean, you got to get to state of mind. And what was he thinking? Right. Well, it's not just subjective. It's not him saying, well, I didn't think it, so who cares? Mm -hmm. It's what is all the objective evidence that was being presented to you, and was it reasonable for right. you to have that state of mind? And I think any jury would probably conclude, given all those people testifying, that it was a reasonable they're thing. All, they're, they're, they're all, and we saw this in January 6th committee, everybody around him, everybody around him telling him, you know, give up the ghost, you know, call this off. And, and uh, as the governor said, not just the 6062 federal uh, court decisions against him, the Supreme Court with Alito and, and, um, uh, Thomas. and Thomas writing a concurring opinion saying, listen, there, there are not enough vote, votes out there to change this election. But we should hear it on these other grounds. You have the most conservative justices calling BS on Donald Trump as well. All right, that clip again from MSNBC. I guess I started it a little too late. Christy talked about the Colorado case, and he said that there is nothing that they should be, I guess I'm trying to summarize a lawyer, on the Colorado case about keeping Trump off the ballot, Chris Christie, in this same MSNBC interview, said that, in his opinion, that there was nothing to that, that they can't use the 14th Amendment and its Confederate-related issues with that amendment about keeping somebody from running for office because Trump's never been actually charged with insurrection. And all the legal problems he's got that's one thing he is yet to be charged with and likely not going to be charged with so how can you keep him off a ballot citing insurrection when he's never been charged with insurrection that's what christie said very legal stuff here on the y'all show <laughs> wednesday edition hope you appreciated that if you got uh, something to say about what chris christie was just saying let us let us know here at the All Show. We'd love to get your feedback. If you're a lawyer out there, do you agree with what Chris Christie had to say? Because this is going to be going on for a while. And if you're in the Trump corner, if you like Trump, sometimes you need to take a moment and listen to what others are saying about him. And Chris Christie's a smart guy, and certainly smart when it comes to the legal profession. And I would be worried if you're a Trump Trumpian. I would be worried based on what he said there. On the flip side, if you hate Trump, you need to listen to him sometimes. He's got some awesome stuff he says. He just sometimes mixes up Sioux Falls and Sioux City, as he did the other day. And now the other side is just uh, butchering him for that. And I still think that Sioux, Sioux City is in... I believe it's in. Um, I believe it's in. 
geez, I, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my you-know-what here. I think it is Iowa and Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Sioux City, Iowa. I think I got that right. You know, sue me <laughs> if I get it wrong. Trump got it wrong, and so I guess I'm just trying to copy it. There's a lot of things with the name Sioux in that section of the country because of the powerful American Indian tribe that once uh, dominated that area, and I assume they still have some presence in that portion of mid-America. But that's a look at some political news here on the Y'all Show on this Wednesday. When we come back, we've got some Southern business news to pass along your way. What's going on? What, what's going on out of this world, y'all? I'll fill you in. And some other happenings with Jerome Powell on this Wednesday. We'll wrap this hour up after this break. He asked her, what gifts can I bring you To prove that my love for you is true Wanna make it mine forever There's nothing on this earth I would not do She said anything I've wanted You have given willingly So now there's only one more thing I need If you love me Pretty cool song from Michael Johnson taking you back to the 80s with that one. We're going to take you to some business news to close out this second hour of the Wednesday Y'all Show. And Jerome Powell, old people are going to be watching what JP has to say today as the Fed is expected to have some type of policy announcement today. But according to the experts, they say there's virtually no chance that policymakers will make a move either way on interest rates when the Fed concludes its two-day meeting. They've been meeting, and they're going to conclude those meetings today. I think they meet, oddly enough, where Michael Johnson is from, uh, Colorado. The Federal Reserve meeting will be ending up today, and, and... a lot of people say they're not going to end up doing much of anything. What investors are watching for are signals that come from Jerome Powell and the rest of the Federal Open Market Committee about what they're learning for or leaning on for the future. As one person, chief investment strategist at Wilshire, Josh Emanuel, said, there's no likelihood that the Fed will do anything here. It wouldn't make sense at this meeting, but what is the messaging? Is the question asked them. Uh, if you're into the financial world, check out what Jerome Powell's got to say or if he won't say much of anything with the conclusion of this two-day meeting that the Fed has been uh, hanging out and having a good time with. Will it affect the markets and more? We'll find out. We'll talk to, on Friday, Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group, and we'll get his take. The Pentagon has awarded 
a $1.3 billion contract to Northrop Grunman as well as York as they're going to get 100 satellites produced for $1.3 billion as these contracts are going to help build communications satellites for the Defense Department as the Space Development Agency is having the companies build these satellites as part of the network that the agency is building known as the Proliferated Warfighter Space Architecture. Under the latest awards, Northrop Grumman will build 38 date, rather data transport satellites for $732 million, while York will build 62 satellites for $617 million. And I think some of these satellite companies have a presence in Huntsville, Alabama, North Alabama, so maybe they'll have a nice little cash investment into that area with the Pentagon now awarding $1.3 billion in contracts to these two giants of satellite makers. Also, I want to let you know in our news headlines across the southeast that Procter & Gamble has topped earnings and revenue estimates as higher prices have drove some consumers away, but Procter & Gamble topped off their quarterly earnings and revenue estimates as they had an earnings share of $1.83 versus the expected $1.72, and they brought in a revenue of $21.87 billion, and that was roughly 20, um, I don't know the percentage, percent. It, it was more than they expected, let me just tell you that. A lot of people buying Tide detergent over the last couple of months, I guess, helping drive Procter and Gamble, and they're taking a lot of people to the cleaners with this kind of revenue they're building. I mean, have, you, have you priced detergent lately? Geesh. That wraps up Hour 2. We'll be back with Hour 3 after this. in for more of the Y'all Show. Glad to have you aboard. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern here on this program powered by Y'all.com, of which you can find in podcast form on Spotify, the iHeartRadio, as well as TuneIn, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and more. Great to have you aboard as we've got our final hour of this Wednesday show all set to come at you with good, good information. We even have a college football coach queued up and coming at you here in just a second. As Dabo Sweeney is catching some grief because of how he handled a caller to his weekly call-in radio show. And I've got this clip. And it actually says a lot about not just college football in its current state, but about eh, humanity. Dabo Sweeney is a good person. 
Dabo Sweeney is a Christian and a proud Christian. And you're going to hear that in a just a second. Because we've got this audio from the smart aleck caller that called him this week. And we're going to play that for you. That's part of our news headlines. Also in the headlines of this final hour of our Wednesday Y'all Show, we've got our Southern History Spotlight. I'm going to tell you how on this day in history, Harry Truman of Missouri was nearly assassinated back in 1950. I'll tell you about that. Plus, we will tell you about some Southerners with birthdays, including Mr. Apple, Tim Cook, born in Mobile on this day in history. We'll give you the info on Mr. Tim Cook and other Southerners with birthdays on this first day of November. Before the hour is up, we've got another Southerner that we're going to tip our hat to as we are going to recognize as part of our Southern Humor Spotlight, Ed Helms. Oh, what a funny guy. If you ever saw Wedding Crashers, not Wedding Crashers, he's not in that. He's in, um, what is, well, first of all, he was in The Office, okay? And he's in The Hangover, okay? The Hangover is the great, I think they've done at least three of them, but he's in those, and boy, his character is so funny, and Ed Helms is a funny guy, and he is a native of Atlanta. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about Ed Helms, and I found a clip of him on The Late Show with a fellow Southerner, Stephen Colbert, and they talked about being Southern, and it's pretty funny. And so we'll have that clip before we get out of here today as part of our humor spotlight of this final hour of the Y'all Show. To join us, our email address, mail at y'all.com. You can text us, 615-208-4184. Would love to hear from you here on the show that is all about the Southeast. So we did have Halloween on Tuesday. Hope you all had a good time. Hopefully your little ones, if you've got them, loaded up with plenty, plenty of candy. And now for a couple of days, they're going to be running around on a sugar high. But uh, it's okay. They're kids, right? Okay, kids, if, if you're over 18 and you loaded up on the Halloween candy, you better be careful too, okay? But uh, hopefully everybody had a great Tuesday, and now we're off into the month of November. One story I do want to follow up on regarding Halloween, the Henry County Georgia Sheriff's Office just wrapped up Operation Watchful Eye. And that's where they went out and verified all of the sex offenders of this Georgia County. And they went and knocked on each one of their doors in Henry County. And they've got 276 registered sex offenders in Henry County, Georgia. And they went, the deputies, knocking on all the doors to ensure that every sex offender was where they were supposed to be. But also, they went to make sure that they did not have Halloween decorations up, on the outside at least, something that would help attract little kids to their house. So they were out making sure of that and trying to keep a watchful eye on the trick-or-treaters. By the way, also in Henry County and in Georgia, it is illegal for registered sex offenders to be within a 1,000 feet of playgrounds, pools, basketball courts, and even churches. So they were just making sure that the Operation Watchful Eye went well. And I think it did, as they got all 276 in this one Georgia County accounted for. And as far as I could tell, all the little ones had a good time trick-or-treating 
That's a great story to pass along on this first day of November. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, we want to let you know that in Mississippi, you can go right now and apply for a wild hog permit. You can get traps put on your property. You just need to go to a website that I'll tell you here in a second to make sure you sign up for mdac.ms.gov slash WHCP. That is a website where you can try to apply for Mississippi's Wild Hog Control Program. And this is an op- opening today. This program is open to register until the 15th of November. Wild hogs cause more than $60 million in damages in Mississippi each year. And even if you're not in Mississippi, you probably know well how these things tear up property as they are destructive on cropland and more. And so submitted applications for this program are out, and the applicants will be evaluated based on the number of acres available for trapping, the historical agricultural losses caused by wild hogs on the property, and also the current trapping efforts. This is not a hunting permit. This is a trapping deal to try to get owners to trap wild hogs in the state of Mississippi. Elsewhere in our news headlines today, We'll take you to Clemson, South Carolina, because earlier this week, Dabo Sweeney had his Monday night radio call-in show. This is pretty common in college sports where the head coach takes a hour out of their week to have a, a show devoted to more of a fan-friendly show. They answer questions. And forever, these were truly call-in shows. You, you as a fan, could call in and talk to the head coach. But many, many schools, I would say almost all of them, have now gotten away from the live call-in, and they take questions really only through text and or if you're in the audience at one of these coaches' shows. Dabo Sweeney still takes telephone calls. And on Monday night, Sweeney and the Clemson radio play-by-play guy Don Munson took a call from a person in South Carolina who was very critical of the Clemson Tigers which have won two national championships in this last decade they're now four and four they they got beat by NC State this past weekend Clemson I think has only won two games in the ACC they might be two and four or something like that they are really struggling and they got Notre Dame coming in this weekend, likely another loss. Things are not rosy in Tiger Town. And Dabo Sweeney took this telephone call. And if you don't know much about Dabo Sweeney, he's a native of the Birmingham area. He played as a wide receiver walking on to the Alabama football program in the late 1980s and fought hard to get on that program, won a national championship with Coach Stallings and the Tide in 1992, and then ultimately got a chance to be an assistant coach and has worked his way to be a head coach and has won two national championships at Clemson University. There are only two other college football programs that come close to what Clemson's done in the last 20 years, and that would be Alabama, and now it would be Georgia. But for a while there, it was only Alabama and Clemson. Georgia, with two consecutive national championships, suddenly – is kind of a big deal. And Georgia and Kirby Smart are literally 
90 minutes down the road from Clemson. But Sweeney got this smart aleck call, and I just figured it would be a smart thing for you to hear most of this call and judge for yourself because it's getting some getting some traction now. And let's go in and hear, again, Don Munson, the voice of Clemson football, and Dabo Sweeney, the head coach. This audio, courtesy of the Clemson Athletic Network. It's from the Coaches Show Monday night. The head coach of the Tigers, Dabo Sweeney, right here on the Y'all Show. We'll go off to Spartanburg and bring Tyler into the program. Tyler, I hope that you're doing well. You're up with Coach. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate everything you said, Coach. Coach Winnie, um, it sounds a whole lot like Tommy Bowden. And I'll tell you one thing, Tommy Bowden doesn't make the same amount of money as you do. You make $11.5 million a year. Um, that's second in college football, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm curious uh, why that salary has led to a four and four. And I know we're going to talk about, you know, just being a couple plays away from undefeated and all that. Um, and I know you're a man of religion. I'm, I'm a big fan, Coach. Um, before you, you categorize me as a, you know, being in the 1.5%, I was going to Clemson games and my entire family going back generations been going to Clemson games before, you know, when you were in commercial real estate. So, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to accept being in that 1.5%. Um, and I, I respect the fact that you're a man of faith. Um, I'm curious uh, if you've ever read Proverbs 16, 18, which talks about pride coming before the fall. Um, I used to, I, I was in the military and I, uh, I, uh, was overseas for the big run, um, and so I, I couldn't couldn't watch all the games. I tried my best, and but I always watched your press conferences uh, just for life advice, and I appreciated all that. Something changed after 2018. Um, you're you're humble, you're hungry, and everything. And I I always told people, man, Dad, but just listen to his press conferences. But after that 2018 national t- title. Something changed, and there seems to be a lot of the arrogance that came in. Um, there was a lot of friends and family. I mean, three of the ten on-field football coaches are external, experienced hires. Everyone else was an internal hire that had no experience before or was a former player um, or friend. So I'm curious, why are we paying you $11.5 million to go four and four, and it's not just this year. It's been, it's been, you know, just a refusal to accept. What's the guy's name? Tyler. Hey, Tyler. I've listened to enough for you, Tyler. Listen, uh, you can, you can have all your opinions that you want. All right. I don't know how old you are. Don't really care. All right. But let me tell you something. Uh, we won eleven games last year, and you're part of the problem. To be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. It's people like you that do that. All you do is ex- the appreciation. The expectation is greater than the appreciation, and that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10-plus win year- seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So, if you want to know why, Clemson ain't sniff a national championship for 35 years. We've won two in seven years, and there's only two other teams that can say that: Georgia and Alabama. Okay. Is this a bad year? Is this a yeah? 
And it's my responsibility. Take 100% responsibility for it. But all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want. And you can apply for the job. And good luck to you. All right? But to answer your question, all right, we're second in draft picks. We've graduated 98% of our guys. We're second in wins. All right? We, we, if you, you want to know why, again, I'm telling you, we're not perfect. There's a lot of teams that, you know, Frank Howard never had a bad year. Coach Ford never had a bad year. Nobody, Coach K has never had a bad year in basketball. People have a bad year. But the part of the problem is the appreciation. I used to tell people all the time, they'd say, what's the difference in Clemson? Let me tell you, at, Cle at some places there's an expectation, but at Clemson there's an appreciation. And what's happened at Clemson is, is we've won so much that even when we, it used to be the funds and the winning, now even when you win, people like you complain and criticize the coaches and question everything. You, you, people like you, all right, when I hired Tony Elliott to be the offensive coordinator who never called a play in his life, I'm sure you were critical then. All right, and he took us to two national championships. People like you who just destroy, love to, to destroy people with your comments, all right? I'm sure you've never made any bad decisions. I'm sure you've lived a perfect life. I'm sure you've never, I'm sure you've led a bunch of people. I'm sure you do your job in front. So to answer your question, I started as the lowest paid coach in this freaking business, all right? And I'm where I am because I've worked my ass off every single day. And I ain't gonna let some smart ass kid get on this phone and create this stuff. So if you got a problem with that, I don't care. All right? It, I work for, for the board of trustees, the president, and the AD. And if they're tired of me leading this program, all they gotta do is let me know. I'll go somewhere else where there is an appreciation. All right? It's not just winning, it's how you win. And we are in a bit, this is a tough year, but we've had 12, 12, 10 plus win seasons in a row. 12, we lost to Tennessee last year. They won 11 games for the first time in like 20 years. We've had eight 11 win seasons in, in whatever, 11 years or whatever. We've won two national championships. Clemson went 35 years, all right, probably since before you were born, your whole freaking life. And we've won two in seven years. And we earned it. And we beat the best of the best to do it. The best of the best. 12, 10 plus win seasons. So if you want to know why, that's why. Am I perfect? No, nope. I'm far from it. I am a, and I am a man of faith. Absolutely. All right? I'm 53 years old, and there ain't one thing in my life. I, now, I have, I have been a part of failure many times, but there ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at, Tyler. Never. All right? Ever. I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate with my family. I did it. I wanted to go play football at Alabama. I earned a scholarship, letter three years, worked my ass off, won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to being a head coach. And when I got this job, and I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, all right, and 15 years later, I'm still here, and I'd say the results are what they are, and I stand on them. So you don't ever have to call back. I, I wanted to get married. I've been married for going on 30 years. I wanted to be a father. I've raised three great sons. 
If you don't like how I run the program, don't be a fan. I don't care. But I'm the head coach, and I'm going to do what I believe is right for the long term of this program, what's best for the players, and what I think is best for the moment. If you got a problem with that, that's fine. But you know, I'm not going to sit, you sit here and let you call. I don't give a crap how much money I make. You ain't going to talk to me like I'm like I'm 12 years old. You'd be freaking kidding me. Amen. <laughs> All right. That was Dabo Sweeney. I know that was a little long, but you just had to hear that in its entirety. Tyler from Spartanburg getting quite a, a sermon preached to him from the head coach of the Clemson Tigers. And Dabo got asked about that phone call during his Tuesday presser there at Clemson. And he was pretty um, he was pretty active on that Tuesday, too. I mean, he he's... He, you got to respect him. You know, somebody came to him, he fired back in a in a very laid out presentation, and and salute to him. And he is going on thirty years in a marriage and got three kids. I think all three boys played at Clemson or have played. I think I think he may even have one on the roster now. But the head coach of the Tigers with a four and four season, still reminding people that. There aren't too many programs out there that have done quite what the Tigers have done since he's been at the helm these last nearly 15 years. Let's wrap up our news headlines this hour with a story from East Tennessee. Congratulations to 10-year-old Elizabeth Claire Stewart and her 8-year-old little brother Landon Stewart. They're the newest members of the 900-miler club. And what is that? Well, that is a club you get to join when you complete every trail in the Great Smoky Mountains. And they are now believed to be the youngest to ever join the 900-miler club. That's a lot of walking, and that is a lot of exercise. She said the, the older, the older sister of the, of the pair, that they often have walked or hiked, would be the term, upwards of 20 miles a day, and that gets tiring, but they were able to pull it off, and man, they've been able to get some amazing photos, pictures of the amazing mountains and some snowfall and more. They've got a photo album filled with pictures from all over the Smokies, and a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment for these two that I believe are from East Tennessee, but I don't know, I don't know the exact town that they're from in East Tennessee, but they have now at age 10 and age 8 walked every single mile of the Great Smoky Mountains trails, 900 in all. Next step would be, I guess, the Appalachian Trail, but congratulations to both Landon and Elizabeth Claire Stewart, the youngest to ever join the 900-miler club. For all you hikers out there, you are probably familiar with this particular club, and now you got two youngsters that are leading the way in the 900-miler club. Way to go. Now let me go get my boots on. <laughs> that wraps up the, the news headlines for hour number one, number three, and we got a couple more great segments headed your way. Stay tuned. When the Y'all Show returns, we've got some Southern history to tell you about, some Harry Truman info, y'all. We'll be right back. Tuxedo waiters, fly 
time White tablecloths and red wine We've been planning this night Looking forward to it for some time Now, honey, I know you love getting dressed up And you know I love showing you off But watching your baby blue eyes Dancing in the candlelight glow All I can think about Is getting you home Walking through the front door Seeing your black dress hit the floor uh, Honey, there sure ain't nothing like you loving me all night long And all I can think about is getting you home Ba-da-da-da-bum-bum, Christian! Getting you home or getting you ready to go home, maybe, as we're winding things down in our final hour of the Y'all Show and a little time now to talk a little history of the South and some famous folks with birthdays on this first day of November. On this day in history, back in 1950, there was an attempt. Did you know that there was an attempted assassination of Harry S. Truman? Yeah, they tried to kill him. At Blair House, as the White House was actually being renovated, and there were some Puerto Rican independence movement members that tried to go in and kill Harry S. Truman. The buck stops here. As there had been uprisings in Puerto Rico for a while, as some of the folks of that island had attempted to overthrow the government of Puerto Rico and create their own country, And so the U.S. Air Force bombed and strafed a section of Puerto Rico, destroying it, and then they bombed a town called Utuado, or Uatado, something like that. And in acknowledgement of the issues related to Puerto Rico's status, Truman supported an agreement later about Puerto Rico, of which... Nearly 82% of the votes were in favor of Puerto Rico continuing as a free associated state of the U.S. But in this attempt, on November 1st, 1950, militant Puerto Rican pro-independence activists, two of them, went in while President Truman was at Blair House, and both men were stopped before gaining entry to the house, and one of them was mortally wounded by... White House police officer Leslie Caulfield, who killed him and returned fire, and a Secret Service agent wounded the other. Truman was upstairs in the house and not harmed. But that happened on this day in 1950. An attempted assassination of Harry S. Truman, then president, in his second term. Let's see, his first elected term, that's right, because he was filling out FDR's term when he was up for re-election in 1948, and he won that term, surprisingly. It was on this date in 1968 that Suspicious Minds went to number one for Elvis Presley. This was a song penned by Mark James. It would be Elvis's last number one song 
Suspicious Minds. And what a awesome, awesome little tune that the king of rock and roll put out. And again, it went to number one on this day back in 1968, Suspicious Minds. It was on this date in history just before World War One broke out. It was back in 1915, I think was the year, that Paris Island in South Carolina became the Marine Corps Recruit Depot. And if you are a Marine, there's a very, very high chance that you're quite familiar with Paris Island. And just over 100 years ago, this spot of Beaufort County became the Marine Corps Recruit Depot. And since that time, millions of Marines have poured through Paris Island's gate and have gone through absolute hell for a couple of months. But they came in as uh, lowlifes, and they came out Marines. So I'm not a Marine, but in honor of Paris Island, I will tell all of you who are Marines for life, Semper Fi, and hello, welcome in Paris Island on this special day in your Marine history. Crawford Long was born on this birth on this day back in November of 1815. November 1st, 1815 was when Crawford Long was born in Danielsville, Georgia. And Crawford Long was an American surgeon and pharmacist best known for his use of inhaled sulfuric ether as an anesthetic. And that was a major, major advancement in medicine. And this was a man born before the Civil War. And he actually studied at the University of Georgia where, while there, he shared a room with the future vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens. And he would go on to study at Transylvania College, Crawford Long, and that's in Lexington, Kentucky. Ultimately, he would actually help out in the Civil War briefly. He was part of a militia but never really deployed, a militia in the Athens area for the Confederacy. After the war, though, as I said, he was known for helping create the first use of inhaled sulfuric ether as an anesthetic. And that's why if you ever are in Atlanta, Georgia, you will notice there has been the Crawford Long Hospital. And there's even been a stamp in the past in honor of Crawford Long of Georgia, born on this day in 1815. Dr. Long, salute to you, sir. Today is also November 1st. The birthday of the late Grantland Rice, born in 1880. Grantland Rice was born in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and he ended up being a guy that attended MBA in Nashville and even attended Vanderbilt in Nashville, where he was a member of the Commodore football team for a couple of years, even played shortstop on the baseball team. Then he went on to be a sports writer, and he actually covered sports across the South for many, many years. Ultimately, he had his Grantland Rice Sports Lights, which was a publication that was available. And if you know anything about college football back in the glory days of the maybe the 40s and 50s, there was the Grantland Rice Trophy that went to a team that was considered to be the national champion. And Grantland Rice, born on this day in Murfreesboro in 1880, he lived until 1954, passing away at the age of 73. But famed sports writer Grantland Grantland Rice with a birthday today. 
Today's also singing Bill Anderson's birthday. He was born in Columbia, South Carolina in 1937. This Grand Ole Opry member and incredible songwriter, of course, once had the Poe Folks restaurants around the Southeast. But Bill Anderson, the nice guy, a big sports fan. He also attended the University of Georgia, and he's a big dog fan. But I've actually seen Whispering Bill Anderson at a Vanderbilt football game. He keeps up with Vanderbilt since they're the local team in Nashville. And Bill Anderson with a big birthday, happy 80, what is he, 86 today, singing and whispering Bill Anderson, country music singer and Grand Ole Opry member. Kentucky native Larry Flint was born on this day in Lakeville, Kentucky, born in 1942, He passed away at the age of 78 back in 2021, and he was a publisher and president of Larry Flint Publications, which produced Hustler magazine, and also he was into the very high-profile legal battles on First Amendment issues, and there were the the famous movie that he was centered on, the People versus Larry Flint was that, but he was shot and he ended up being in a wheelchair for the uh, later portion of his life. Larry Flint, born on this day in Kentucky, and he died in 2021 at the age of 78. Also born on this date, Lyle Lovett, the Texas A&M alum, born in 1957 in Houston, Texas, the ex-husband of Julia Roberts, and was raised in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, he grew up in Klein, Texas, and went to A&M and got a degree in both German and journalism. A guy after my own heart there. Lyle Lovett. Of course, Lyle kind of, sort of, was a um, a mild deal in country music. I mean, he's just a completely unique guy. And back in the late 80s and early 90s, he was getting a lot of attention on MCA records, but never had a really big song out there he had a couple of he had a top 10 with cowboy man in 1986 but never really sniffed a number one in his solo career but toured and and then got extensive appearances for his incredible songwriting and more lyle love it with a birthday today and lyle today what is he going to be turning lyle is Born in was it fifty seven? He's going to be sixty six. Happy birthday, Lau! Today's also the birthday of Tim Cook, born in Mobile on November first, nineteen sixty. So he would be sixty three today. The Auburn alum and Duke University MBA alum, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. He's had that role for twelve years now. Pretty amazing for this guy who. Got his start fairly low. I mean, a southerner in charge of arguably one of the biggest tech companies in the world. But he's been the chief executive officer of Apple all these years and also has served as the company's chief operating officer. And that's where he was under co-founder Steve Jobs. Tim Cook, the War Eagle man himself, with a birthday today. Also today is the birthday of Big Kenny of Big and Rich, William Kenneth Alphen who goes by Big Kenny. He was born on this day in Culpeper, Virginia, back in 1963. So he turns 60 years young today. 
save a horse, ride a cowboy there, part of the music mafia, and also has done his own solo work and more. Big Kenny, happy birthday to you, sir. Today is a big day for birthdays across the South, so if you're celebrating a birthday, we want to say a happy, happy, happy birthday to you and to all y'all on this first day of the month of November. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show with some humor. Did you realize Ed Helms, the guy from the great show that, I mean, great show, The Office, yes, but also The Hangover, arguably the funniest movie that's been made in a long, long time. And Ed Helms was raised in the Atlanta area. And when we come back, we've got a great clip of Helms on a fellow Southerner's late-night talk show talking about the South. We'll play that for you and let you learn a little bit more about the guy that pulled his tooth off uh, right out of his mouth in The Hangover. And he, he, he really got a lot of people like me to respect him that he would do that in that role. Uh, you know, he was a dentist. He was a doctor. He's a doctor. If you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about there. Ed Helms, a salute and a good laugh to leave us on this Wednesday edition when the Y'all Show returns. There's that sound on that song. I've told somebody that sounds like a video game. That It's the number one song in the country right now. It's Morgan Wallen thinking about me. And that's going to help wrap up this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show. At least that is the intro to this last little section of our Wednesday Y'all Show. We're going to laugh, laugh our way to the end of the show. Thanks to information on Ed Helms. Ed Helms, the very funny actor. Did you realize he's a Southern boy? Born in the ATL, Ed Helms. And Edward Parker Helms was born on January 24th of 1974. So he is just a 49-year-old pup. And he was raised in the Atlanta area as his, let's see, he had to have open-heart surgery at 13 to correct a congenital heart defect. He attended... As a child, the Interlochen Center for the Arts, and then 
He went to Westminster School, which is a very prominent school in the Atlanta area. And then went on to go to Oberlin College, then to the acting world. After graduating from Oberlin, he began his comedy and acting career as a writer and performer with the New York City sketch comedy bands. And then started doing improv. And then got a chance to work on The Daily Show as he was performing comedy in New York City when he was asked to appear there and then started more work with his very talented writing and more. Ed Helms would go on to film work. And that's where a lot of us came to know Helms when he appeared in a movie that made its debut in... What was that year? Well, his first movie role was 2006, Blackballed, The Bobby Duke Story. Okay? I didn't realize he was even in Night at the Museum. He was in Evan Almighty. He was even in Semi-Pro as a reporter in that particular Will Ferrell movie. But um, the the movie that kind of took him to the top of most people's Mine was when he was Stuart Price, Dr. Stuart Price, in The Hangover, and that came out in 2009 when he appeared alongside North Carolina's Zach Galifianakis, Bradley Cooper, Heather Graham, and others. Even North Carolina's own Ken Jong was in that one, of course, as Leslie Chow. The Hangover catapulted Ed Helms to great fame, Worldwide, Of course, he also, at that time, had started his work in TV on The Office, playing the role of Andy Bernard, as he was on seasons three through nine of The Office, Ed Helms. I found a clip of Helms when he appeared on a fellow Southerners late-night talk show, Stephen Colbert, and they talked about being both from the South So let's go hear Helms from Atlanta and Colbert from Charleston talk about this region and more. And this gives you a little sample of the fun that Ed Helms offers a Atlanta native now enjoying the bright lights of Hollywood. Uh, I want to talk about one thing about your career, though, is that you're you're from the South and I'm from the South. And Southern southern men are expected to be gentlemen and uh, uh, you're a young man from Georgia. You're expected to be polite from the South. To a fault, almost. Sure. Okay. And um, that's how we lost the Civil War. Just too polite about it. <laughs> go, go ahead. You guys, yeah, you go, go ahead. Burn Atlanta. Right. That's right. fine. You go. You go. But you, you've been in some things that require not politeness. I mean, the Hangover movies are not polite movies. No. Being a correspondent for The Daily Show, you had to ask terrible things. Downright rude. Downright rude. Yeah. How do you... How Confrontational. Do you, how do you get... How do you reconcile that... Poli- that that career and and the politeness yeah. required from your youth. That's a great question. Thank as you. a as a, I mean, we're both genteel, right? Sophisticated Southerners, which I think is another way of saying we're both like super repressed. Yes, and and not uh, good at sports. And, and, <laughs> uh, and so and and maybe even bullied a little as kids. So I all of that repression, I think, is just needed an outlet. Which is how the Hangover came about. Oh, so so basically, your career is just an expression of repressed rage. Yes, that's exactly okay. right. Yes, well, ditto. My uh, although there 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 are there are some some good things that that uh, 
that came of it. Two, uh, the the do to do that Andy says on the yes. office, that started actually. A lot of people ask me where that came from. It started as a um, a thing that these these bullies at my school would like after they gave you a wedgie or pushed you down or or, or you know humiliated you somehow. They'd go do as a sort of like expression of dominance. Like, I just owned you! <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Funny stuff there from Ed Helms. As we wrap up this Wednesday edition of the Y'all Show again, Atlanta's own Ed Helms, and kudos to him. That was, that's a great little interview there from the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and we wish him all the success. And again, he, he doesn't do a lot of stand-ups, but I've seen a few out there that Probably shouldn't be airing on this show, but uh, he's a funny guy. Not uh, not bad for a Westminster School alum. And, you know, for all those guys that bullied Ed, well, thank you for that, because it maybe helped set him on a career toward comedy and acting. We will see you all back here Thursday. Kiefer Ingalls will be joining us to talk college football and more. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Peace.